What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Hip Hop Dream Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Fair. Uh, I thought I'd throw a little curveball there for the intro song. Uh, I just literally right before I recorded this, I found this song with Ponce de Leon. I think that's how I pronounce his name. If not, I apologize. But he had a song with Iman Shumpert, and I believe that's the basketball player, <laughs> Iman Shumpert. And I was intrigued. I knew Iman rapped, so um, I was I was definitely interested to hear it. It's called Throwing Salt. It's pretty good. It's definitely a trap banger. Uh, it's nothing like that special, but I figured I'd throw a little curveball there. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. It has been a while. It's been o- almost two weeks, at least a week and a half since I've done a podcast. Uh, like I said, for those of you who, who are tuning in for the first time, usually what I do is, is I do a podcast um, Monday and then one Friday, uh, but I've just been busy recently. I moved into school. It's my senior year. I've been trying to settle in. I'm finally starting to settle in, get all my classes ready and all that. So I figured might as well do a quick podcast. It's Friday afternoon. Happy Flannel Friday uh, for those of you out there. Uh, after this, I'm going to go to a party and put my flannel on, show it off. Um, so that'll be fun. But uh, for now, I want to talk a little bit about hip hop. I want to go over a few things. And honestly, I was, I was, I did a podcast technically on Monday. Did a nice 25-minute podcast, and I stopped recording, and I realized it didn't pick up my sound for whatever reason, and I've been testing it, testing it, trying to see what was up, and finally I figured out it wasn't. Be- it was because I wasn't picking uh, the, the right microphone, which is, you know, it's like, come on, Ryan, like, what, the f- what the fuck are you doing here? But, <laughs> you know, it's true. I, was, I wasn't really paying attention there, but it's fixed. The sound should come through here. This podcast will be up after the episode's finished, and I'm going to put it up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Anchor, so you guys can listen anywhere at any time, as well as my other podcasts that are up there. I believe there's seven or eight others, so check those out as well for those of you who are just starting. Thank you for the listeners that I have gained. Uh, a lot of you are fans of the Trippy Red and Rick Ross uh, podcast, which I'm happily surprised about because... I'm glad a lot of you share uh, the same love of, of Rick Ross and Trippy that I do. Uh, so that was nice to see. Although I wasn't a huge fan of Trippy's album. It was okay. But it was still nice to see some people listen to it. Uh, I, I figure that Trippy isn't the biggest artist out there. So it's interesting to see that that was the, the most popular podcast. But uh, it's nice either way. Uh, today I just, you know, it, it's been quiet on the hip-hop front recently. Uh, the biggest album to come out over the past few weeks was the Lana Del Rey Norman fucking Rockwell, which was uh, a phenomenal. Well, she has actually dipped her toes into hip hop once in a while, especially on her last album, Lust for Life, when she had ASAP Rocky on it and Playboy Cardi, of all people. Uh, but I'm not going to go over too much about her album. Uh, it was great. It was it lived up to the hype. I believe it's it's getting really big critical acclaim everywhere. A lot of people are saying it's their favorite album of the year. Uh, particularly Pitchfork gave it its high, like Pitchfork gave Lana's album the highest review they've given any album all year, which is pretty impressive. You wouldn't expect that. 
Um, but I guess it's also a testament to how quiet this year's been for music, as I've gone over in the past. But rap has picked up quite a bit. Earth Gang just released their album, the duo of Johnny Venus and Dr. Dot from from uh, Atlanta and a part of the Dreamville Dreamville label. They were a part of that Revenge of the Dreamers album from a couple months back, and they finally released their, I guess, official debut album called Mirrorland. Uh, my first impressions is pretty solid. Uh, some sharp bars from both guys. Some some nice uh, production, kind of a fusion of, of old 90s boom bap and modern trap, contemporary trap. Something you'd, uh, I guess, something you'd kind of expect from a J. Cole protege, uh, I guess, particularly uh, because J. Cole kind of dips his toes into that, to that kind of fusion as well. But uh, I, I won't get it too much in the album because I've only given it one or two listens. I really want to dissect it a little better and give a full-length review on Monday about it. Uh, I also, also Post Malone released his much-anticipated third studio album, Hollywood is Bleeding. Um, the track list is what stood out the most to me. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here, but from what I've heard, and and you know, I'm going to be honest here, I, I only listened to one song, and it was the Travis Scott and um, Ozzy Osbourne track. Yes, you're hearing that right. Ozzy Osbourne is on a track with Travis Scott and and um, Post Malone. So that that was something that should really intrigue anyone. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe not for the greatest reasons, but um, I, I will say this: it was it was. I'm not gonna f- spoil it, but it was the wackiest shit I think I've listened to in quite a while. Uh, but other features that are on it: the baby. Future, Halsey, Meek Mill, Lil Baby, Ozzy Osbourne, Travis Scott, SZA, Sway Lee, and Young Thug. So a mixture of R&B and rap there, mostly rap. And, you know, one thing I'll say about Post, I, his last album, Beer Bongs and Bentleys, it was okay. It had it had some bangers. It had some hits. I'm, I'm not denying that the dude can't make hits. It's just a lot of his music's just empty to me, and it's not something that I, I go back revisiting. And also a lot of it's been overplayed at this point. So it's it's just not something that I feel the need to go back to, unlike some other artists. And to be frank, I don't think Post deserves the, the, the hype that he gets because he's very derivative. As someone who listens to a lot of rap, he's very derivative and he takes a lot of elements of rap, uh, uh, you know, and pretty like unapologetically he does it. And, you know, it's fine if you want to use it's great to see rap as the mainstream genre and it's great to see artists kind of take from from that mold and, and make it into their own. But Post really isn't doing anything new with it. And on top of that, you know, his comments in the past about how about hip hop and he, he's kind of talked about hip hop in a negative way. And, you know, he's he's kind of ta- I think he's kind of what a lot of people hate about him is he's kind of in the circle of rap is that he's kind of taken the, the art for granted and has not really appreciated where, you know, what made him famous. And I could definitely see the problem there, especially since he is taking trap modern day contemporary trap elements and putting it into his music. And he's also stealing a lot of styles from the likes of Drake and Sway Lee and even Travis at some points. And, you know, he's trying to do that pop rap R and B crossover that we've seen so many times before. And, not only that, but there's a lot of times on, on his last album that really turned me off. Like a lot of the times where he was kind of playing that sad boy role that kind of turned me off because it's like, I don't want to listen to a, a white, white boy sing, you know, make sad anthems. It's not something that interests me 
It's not intriguing in any way. And to be frank, there's nothing original about it. It's it's the the, the newest trend. And, uh, you know, the one song I did listen to, the one with Ozzy Osbourne and Travis, it was kind of, uh, it kind of fell into that category again, which was kind of eye rolling and it, it kind of worries me about this album, but I'll definitely give it a listen. Um, and I'll give my honest opinion about it. You know, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. We'll see what happens. Uh, I am interested to see the Sway Lee feature. I don't know if it's, uh, here, I'll pull up the track list now. I don't know if it's, um, oh, it is Sunflower. Okay, never mind. So I've already listened to that song 80 times. The song with Young Thug I've listened to as well. That was okay. But the rest of them I haven't really given a listen yet. So should be interesting. But uh, again, I'll give my full opinion on it on Monday. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, today I just want to kind of go over what I wasn't able to on Monday because of the whole technical issues. And that's the uh, Look Mom, I Can Fly documentary from Travis Scott and his uh, peers that came out on Netflix a couple weeks back. I know it's kind of late and you know, things move at such a fast pace. Life moves at a fast pace now. I, I feel like people don't really care about it anymore, but I still do. And I'm a big Travis fan. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty uh, transparent about that. I have been. If you read my articles on the young folks, you, you've noticed that. I just wrote a whole article about the Look Mom, I Can Fly. Uh, so go check that out on the young folks if you haven't. Um, but, you know, as I said in the article, I'm a huge Travis fan. I have an Astrowood hoodie. I have an Astroworld poster in my dorm room, which I'm sitting in now. I have a Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight album cover poster in my dorm room as well. And on top of that, I have every one of his major releases on CD, including Days Before Rodeo, which is technically a mixtape, which I also talk about on this podcast a few a few weeks back. I should just make this a Travis Scott podcast, but that'd be too that'd be too narrow <laughs> i feel like it'd be it'd be not enough topics even though he's such an interesting guy um so yeah i'm a huge super fan and my point is i'm still gonna be honest about if i don't like something and astroworld i thought was his magnum opus i know some diehards out there probably think days before rodeo or rodeo still is but i'd like to argue that astroworld was the fully formed version of those two projects it was a guy that mastered the the skills that he that had you know that you know a lot of the skills that he mastered on Astroworld he was able to really make great use of on Rodeo and Days Before Rodeo um, and those are great albums I'm not taking anything away from that but I thought Astroworld is his best and so he was coming out with this documentary on Netflix directed by I think his friend White Trash Tyler which by the way is a fantastic name. Uh, but he's directed it, White Trash Tyler. And I was expecting big things because, you know, Astroworld has a pretty big legacy surrounding it, uh, whether it be the hype prior to it. I mean, let's let's be honest. It was one of the biggest, probably most hyped albums of, of the past five years. Like, this shit's been in the making since 2015 when Rodeo came out. Like, Travis literally announced that Astroworld was in the making after the release of rodeo in 2015 only then did he release um birds in the trap sing mcknight in 2016 to kind of i guess uh subdue the fans hunger for more music and and you know just that was more of like a mixtape if anything uh just because of i mean the tone actually was kind of consistent so maybe i went maybe i wouldn't fully call it a mixtape but there wasn't really a a uh, a specific theme tying all the songs together nonetheless it was still a great project and um 
regardless of that, aside from that, Astroworld was still being pretty big, you know, pretty largely hyped. There was memes coming across. Um, Huncho Jack was released, and people were kind of disappointed in that project, the project with Quavo. I thought it was all right. Definitely, it definitely was a t- like, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't cutting edge, but I don't think it was supposed to be. And Travis had to work with Quavo and had to, you know, make sure that he stayed within Quavo's talent circle, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, within his talents. And that was definitely showed throughout. Travis didn't really seem to have much of a voice on, on Huncho Jack. Um, he didn't produce a lot of the tracks and the ones he did were pretty solid. So I was still pretty excited for Astroworld to come out. I think people were a little worried after that, but, um, nonetheless, Astroworld came out. It was a huge success, critical success, got Grammy nominations. You you know, the rest, you know, the history, if you've been following it, but you know, I thought that my goal, my hope for look, mom, I can fly. was, it was going to capture the the undying legacy of Astroworld and, and kind of the, the whole just, you know, legend surrounding it, every, everything about it. Cause there's a lot to unpack, uh, whether it be the, the controversy prior to the album's release with, with the whole, you know, Travis taking the, the, the transgender person off the cover and, people were calling him transphobic and lashing at him for that. Uh, when in reality, he wasn't trying to do anything malicious. He just wanted to, you know, the picture was pretty muddled. So he wanted to fix it and crop it a little bit better. And regardless, I, if I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he put um, that person back on the cover for the physical release for, for the, the alternate cover. Uh, so it's still in there if you buy the buy the uh, CD. In fact, I have the hard copy somewhere. I could probably check, but I'm not going to right now. Uh, nonetheless, Travis sent an apology, and everything seemed to be okay. The album was released; it was huge. But you know, you had the controversy there. You had the Super Bowl controversy where people like Jay Z were given flack for performing, and you know, Travis didn't really say much about it in the media. He just kind of went and did his thing. The performance was very underwhelming. Probably not because of him, but just because the sound quality was terrible. They, they fucked up his voice somehow. And I think his voice sounds good without autotune, but for whatever reason, it sounded pretty poor in that in that context. Uh, but but that, you know, I thought that was going to be addressed a little more in depth in, in, in this documentary. But that never was. The controversy around the album art was, was never. And, and worst of all, nothing musically was really explored except no bystanders and and um sicko mode and even those were were explored very minimally uh like there's a scene where travis and his boys are jumping around after hearing the beat drop to no binders no bystanders which is dope i love the raw emotion i wish there was more of that in the documentary and the sicko mode was when uh there's a scene in the in the documentary when travis is listening to Drake's sec, you know, second verse with the I'm out like a light that verse on the phone and he was getting all giddy about it. That was pretty cool too. More raw emotion. But I just wish there was more of that. Especially since if you know, looking at the album, there's a lot of unorthodox features on here. You got Franco, you got the 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 Uber mysterious Frank Ocean on Carousel, right? You got Sway Lee on Sicko Mode, you got Sway Lee on R.I.P. Screw. 
Not to mention R.I.P. Screw is about a DJ who Travis admired greatly growing up as a, as a, as a young MC. You had Stevie Wonder playing the harmonica on Stop Trying to Be God. You had Kid Cudi humming. You had James Blake at the back end of that track singing his heart out. All right. On top of that, you had Kevin Parker of Tame Impala on Skeletons, which is one of the more experimental songs on the project. You had The Weeknd and Pharrell on that song as well, doing background vocals. You had for, you had The Weeknd on Wake Up. All right. You had a song at the at at the very end of the album called Coffee Bean, where you where you talk about your marriage and all the the you know controversy surrounding Kylie Jenner's family and how they were kind of skeptical skeptical of Travis at first. That was you know some nice introspection from a guy who really never writes lyrics about introspection. I mean, we know Travis is this this rager and this guy who likes to turn up, and you know that's what we all admire about him. But that was a nice introspection to end off the album. So you have all that that I just mentioned. None of it is 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 talked about in the documentary. None of it. The one thing they show, the one collaborate. No, there's two. My bad. There's two. They show a couple scenes with Travis and James Blake talking about what they're going to do to perform. I think for SNL for Saturday Night Live. Not really that compelling, to be honest. It's cool little interaction. Not that compelling. The other interaction they show, big one, is between Travis and Kevin Parker in the studio where Kevin Parker is showing Travis the, the, the beginning of Skeletons. And the only thing they show there is Travis making a joke about Kevin Parker's Australian background and like, oh, like where do you get these sounds from the down under, you know, and all that. It was a funny-ass joke. It was really funny. But that was it. Nothing else was shown. No Stevie Wonder, no Kid Cudi. Juice World wasn't even in it. Juice World must have sent in his shit, though. He was only in no bystanders for like two seconds. And on top of that, the other huge problem I had with the documentary was a lot of the time, well, two other things. And I'm really talking myself down to less than a six here as I'm speaking. The other two things that I really had an issue with, besides the fact that he never went into the music portion, and, and the which was obviously the biggest part of the project, the two other things I had a problem with, one, it felt like a label promotion documentary. It felt like Travis didn't have his hand. It, weirdly enough, it felt like he didn't have his hands on a lot of this project. Not on Ash... Not, uh, what I mean by project is the documentary. Not obviously he had his hands on Astroworld, but the documentary I feel like he did not have his hands on. I felt like it was a label promotion stunt because, and here's why I think that there's a lot of scenes in here where Don Tolliver, who's the artist that's on Can't Say, and Sheck West, who we all know of course by now with Mo Bamba. There's a a lot of scenes with them two where they focus on them two performing and and writing their bars and. You know them explaining that oh they're pa- they're part of the Cactus Jack label, which if you're even if you're a rap fan you know that already you know that they're part of the Cactus Jack label which is Travis's label, so why even incorporate in them them in this in this um, documentary about Astroworld when when if you look at the bigger picture, Sheck West and Don Tolliver are minuscule collab they they have a minute they play a minuscule part. In the making of Astroworld. Sheck West does the fuck the club port portion on no bystanders. And Don Tolliver is arguably the least 
relevant feature on the entire project on Can't Say. So why focus on them? They had nothing to do with technically, like in retrospect and in the big scheme of things, they had really nothing to do with this project other than add a chorus and maybe one little verse. So why even talk? That's like talking about, that's like trying to incorporate Migos, their fucking verse at the end of who, what, even though that added really nothing to that song. Like, why not mention something about Stevie Wonder and Kid Cudi? Like, how did you get Stevie Wonder to do harmonica? What was that process like? That must have been insane. That must have been magical, them two in the studio together. Two guys that really have very different backgrounds, very different musical tastes. What about Frank Ocean? The uh, He's, you know, this guy, he fucking goes into hiding after each of his albums. How'd you get him? What was that process like? I would just would have loved to see more behind the scenes. I'm not saying show your secrets. Because Travis is well-respected. I mean, don't show your secrets. You're you're a leader. You know, you're the leader of this of this rap generation. You're one of the leaders. So don't show your you're not don't show your secrets, but at least, you know, give something that fans can attach to. Why is Yosemite such a nostalgic song? I see he was trying to show why with, you know, there's a lot of videos of him with his family back in the day going to to the old Astroworld Park before it got torn down, which was cool. But it was they were really loosely connected to the whole legacy of Astroworld, and they really added nothing to it. I thought that, hey, this could be cool. I like these little home videos. Maybe this will add something to to his to, to his image, but they really didn't. And I'm disappointed because Yosemite, especially after watching the music video, felt like a very nostalgic song. It felt like it meant a lot to Travis to put a song like that out. I just wish that Travis explained it. You know, like an interview here or there, like a little clip of an interview of Travis explaining it or a little video of Travis explaining why that song's important to him, why this song's important to him, why he talked about this in Coffee Bean. And you know, Travis, he likes to keep a clean image and I respect that. But there's going to be controversy. You have to, you know, he he, he has an ob- obligation to address it. And I feel like when you make an album of this stature, you have an obligation to explain certain aspects of it, explain what was the thought process, I feel like there's more than just than just, hey, this is an album. I want to make an album because I miss the old Astroworld Park and this is my way of replacing it. I feel like there's more. I just do. I feel like you can't have an album this critically acclaimed, this humongous, for there to just be one little, you know, like one little memory. There's much more to that, I feel like. You know, like, what made you get some of these features? Like, what was the inspiration for that? I don't need five scenes of Mike Dean mixing the final version of songs. That just bores the shit out of me. And it's not about Mike. Mike Dean's a great producer. He's produced for Kanye, Travis, a bunch of other artists, part of the Good Music label. He's a fucking great producer. Don't get me wrong. But I don't need five scenes of him mixing the final song of R.I.P. Screw. Why did DJ Screw mean so much to you? Just because he's from Houston. I feel like there's more. And maybe I'm just making up false narratives in my head. Maybe maybe this album was just about replacing the old amusement park. You know, Maybe I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, so be it. But I just feel like this album was so good, and I feel like there's just more attached to it that really wasn't explored in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the documentary. And at the end of the day, this documentary, Look Mom, I Can Fly, was really just about the fans, and it was a service to the fans, and I appreciate that. You know, all of his fans love him very dearly, but at the same time, we don't need a thousand concert scenes. Like by the halfway point, the concert scenes just got wicked redundant. That was my other issue. 
So the first issue was not delving into the music. The second issue was, you know, showing Sheck West and Don Tolliver too much. The third issue for me is, um, like I just said, the concert scenes. Too many of them. It got redundant. Too many concert scenes. Like we get your your concerts are notoriously infamous for for people getting injured and people passing out and people throwing up and people getting escorted out and then being brought back in to jump off the stage. Like they're lit, you know, and they're actually well edited and well shot. I'll give white trash, white trash Tyler credit, but that's not what this documentary should have been about. Cause you can look up any number of Travis concert scenes on YouTube and you can get the full experience and you can see what they're about, or you can just go to the concert yourself. But we don't need that to be 50 minutes out of it. We don't need concert scenes to be 40 minute, 45 minutes out of an hour and 20 documentary about an album that's bigger than I think even Travis understands. You know? And I'm just really disappointed in the whole Super Bowl thing. I thought that would, I thought at least, you know, by the end of it, they were showing the Super Bowl stuff and they were showing the Grammys. And I thought that we were going to get something out of those two situations, but we really didn't. Uh, they just had. You know, one of one of the news guys talking in the background about how tr- there's controversy with Travis performing, and then it was never addressed. It was in the trailer too. Like what you hear in the trailer is the farthest extent. The you know that's that's the extent of the explanation. So I don't know. I just wish there was more to this documentary. I'm disappointed because you know Astroworld is 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 a, is is a huge. I think it's a huge deal. They're building the park again for fight for Christ's sakes, like. Travis has his own day now because of how huge it was in Houston. He has like his own Travis Scott day. Like this was this was his moment, and he he came he he delivered big time. But I wish we just got uh, I I wish we learned something about him. You know, I'm a super fan, so I know a lot about Travis. But if you're not a huge fan of him, you're not going to learn much about this documentary other than the fact that his concerts are lit, which you probably already know if you're even if you're not a huge fan. <laughs> so there's nothing here. Content-wise, it was very underwhelming. It was well-directed. It was well-shot. It was well-edited. But the content was just wasn't there. Um, but nonetheless, I'm still a huge Travis fan. He's been doing some oddball features lately. The Ed Sheeran one was crazy. This Ozzy Osbourne Post Malone, I need to give another listen because still, I'm still processing that shit. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I will have that review... Uh, the Post Malone review and the Earth Gang review on Monday. I'll do that. I'll do a more of a deep dive. Uh, for those of you who've been waiting for podcasts, thank you for being patient. Uh, I'll be back Monday. Now that I'm back in college, I'll be getting back in the groove of things. I know it's been like a week and a half to two weeks, but we'll get back into it. Uh, until then, enjoy your guys' weekend. Wear your best flannels, and we'll see you then. Thank you.